Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 185 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host Joey Coastman. I'm joined this week by the former WBO Super Featherweight Champion of the World. It is of course Mr. Barry Jones. Barry, thanks for coming on the show my friend. No, it's nice to be back on, Joe. It's been a long time, mate. Yeah, it has been a long time, actually, Barry. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure, like I say, doing the show with you once again this week. Um, I'm going to dive straight into the review part of the show. We're going to try to go through things quite quickly. Um, I'm going to start here at the Fantasy Springs Casino in California, USA. couple fights to mention. Top in the bill, a Canadian guy by the name of Eves Ulysse Jr. Um, at 17-1 and one going into this fight. The one loss actually came to a guy called Steve Claggett on Paul. It was really close, and I said it on last week's show that Eves Ulysse, straight after that fight, he was furious with the decision. He wanted to fight as soon as possible, and he actually took on Cleta Seldin. I think Cleta Seldin was about 23-0 and at the time, a big puncher, and Eves Ulysse completely schooled him and dropped him a bunch of times along the way to the decision, so... Uh, a good fighter, Ulysse. He was actually able to avenge his defeat here uh, to Steve Claggett. A unanimous decision over 10 rounds. So he kind of wipes his slate clean there. 18-1. and one. Steve Claggett, though, 27-6 and six with two draws. Also, another rematch on the undercard there. Oscar Negrete, 18-1 and one with one draw. He took on Josh Franco, a prospect, 14-1 and one with one draw. Um, in their very last fight, they both uh, fought to a split draw, I believe it was. Um, it was a close fight once again here ended up being a split decision this time in favor of Franco there was some real weird scorecards I think one judge had it seven rounds to three over ten rounds and the other judge had it eight rounds to two the complete other way so uh very mysterious, but that one was for the NABF bantamweight title and the vacant WBA international bantamweight title. Uh, I just want to quickly visit Australia real quick at the Entertainment Centre in New South Wales. Return to the ring of former world champion Billy Dibb. He's been out, I believe, for eight months. He said he retired, but he was back here. A first round knockout for him against an overmatched opponent, really. Billy Dibb now 44-5. and five. Also, Luke Jackson, former opponent of Carl Frampton. He returned there with a knockout in round three against another um, overmatched opponent 18 and one now Luke Jackson uh, moving to York Hall I just want to quickly uh, go go here for a second Chantel Cameron a good win for her she seems to be improving under Jamie Moore actually nine and0 now a knockout in the second round against a lady who was seven and three um, Farish Mashauri I think he said and Topping that bill, Saar, I think his name's Siar Osgo. I've seen him fight a couple of times at York Hall before. I remember he was 14-0. and 0. Um, he, he got he got beat by Mikey Saki for the Southern Area title in a real dramatic fight. And he took on Victor Postel on an undercard in Scotland, I believe it was. And unbelievably, he went the distance with, with Oz, uh, sorry, with um, 
with with Postel, even though he got stopped by Mikey Saki, who only had a record of five and two. But credit to him for going the distance with Postel. But in this fight here, he actually took on a guy who was nine and one called Sam Antwi for the Southern Area uh, welterweight title. It was vacant. Um, Antwi actually came in over the championship limit, so the title was only on the line for Osgood. But he got upset on on points over ten rounds there. Um, so bad stuff there for Osgood. Did the postal beating take something out of him, perhaps? But moving out now stateside to the forum in Inglewood, California, USA. Uh, let's start here with Anthony Sims Jr. He got a win over Devon's brother, Vaughn Alexander, who's now uh, 14-3. and three. A unanimous decision there over 10 for Anthony Sims Jr. Um, Jesse Vargas was able to beat... Uh, the crafty little fox, Humberto Soto. He was looking for win number 70. Boy, oh boy. Um, 69 and 10 now, his record, Soto, with the two draws. A knockout in round six. Vargas just had too much, really, for Soto at this point of his career, I believe. Uh, Vargas got the knockout, like I say. A lot of people thought he would probably go the distance. He's a tough guy, Soto. But like I say, Vargas, a few levels above him at this stage. Um... Vargas actually had his eye cut in the second round, by the way, and Soto was down in round six, and he was stopped on his feet, so a little bit of credit to him. Vargas now 29-2 and two with two draws. Danny Roman against TJ Doheny. Um, did you catch any of that one, Barry? Good fight. Yeah, I did, actually, yeah. And, and, and I think Roman is, is a guy who gets massively underrated and, and sort of goes into the radar a lot, and I don't know why, because he's a, a real tough competitor and, and, a, and a hard man to beat, and even though Doheny is... Not a surprise world champion, but you know he come from nowhere to, to win the world title. He surely had plenty of skill and tenacity himself, but just came up a guy with maybe a bit more experience and knowledge, ring knowledge than him on on the night. But in a good fight and a good bill, actually. Let's be honest. Yeah, it was. I, I agree 100%. It was a unification there for the IBF and WBA Super World Bantamweight titles. Um, Though and he was down in the second round, and he was also down in round eleven. Um, and Roman, of course, he was cut uh, with with an accidental head clash in round ten. Um, but no, a good fight, a really good fight. Um, you know, it's the fights that we want to see. It was a unification. We we went to the prediction, uh, the prediction league last week. I think uh, we'll, we'll we'll I'll, I'll sum all that up at the end of the show. Actually, with Saxel Wangek, also known as uh, as as, as Saw Rungvasai. Um, 47 and 4 with one draw going in. It was a rematch again. Juan Francisco Estrada, 38 and 3. Redemption time for Estrada. He was able to win unanimously over 12 rounds. He takes away the WBC uh, World Super Flyweight title from Wangek. Another good fight, though, just like the first one. Um, yeah, this, this guy, Estrada, Barry, perhaps he doesn't really get the plaudits of, of some of the other names in that division. You had the likes of Chocolatito that you was really high on, of course, before the uh, the two back-to-back yep. fights were wrong beside. But, yeah, a guy that perhaps doesn't get the plaudits, but he's right up there with the best. No, he is. You know, been a world, world champion a, a few times, and you know, obviously, you know, I think the problem you have is when you got Chocolatino in your weight, you get overshadowed dramatically. Your career, and and that can happen. I think that's what's happened with him. But now, you know, he's beat beat the man, he's beat the man, beat the man who he couldn't beat. And I think, uh, yeah. So he, again, again, another guy you think you know might might be on the maybe the not the tail end, but coming to a the end of a pretty you know, accomplished career. But in this day and age now, you just, you think a guy, you know, or maybe past his best or age is getting, catching up with him. And, but you just can't see, it's a weird climate now, isn't it? With the way Ashley took after themselves. Like you just, 
age it means nothing almost and you know you just think oh you know they've got to be when they get again on they've got a long career or a hard career that that maybe they just you know the, the appetite like we've seen we can the other week maybe the appetite to want to go that extra mile might not be there but you just can't take that for granted anymore you really can't there was a freak fight the other week. I, I really can't remember the, the, the guy's names, Barry. I'm sure you probably missed this, but there was a guy, and unbelievably this fight got sanctioned. A guy was 63. He took on a guy who was 23 years old, and I think the 63-year-old knocked him out in about a round. It was, it was really bizarre. It was one of the weirdest things I've seen. But moving over now to Wembley Arena, Barry, you were there. Um, I want to start with the undercard here. We got to see... Archie Sharp progressed to 15-0. and 0. There was a bit of interest, really, with this one because Sergio Gonzalez, in his last fight, had took on Leon Woodstock. I think he got put down in the final round, but he was able to survive yeah. it. And Archie Sharp, he wanted to make a statement. Um, he did, a second-round knockout. I haven't seen any of it, so please tell me what you did see. It, it, it was meant to be just a typical um, keep busy fight, you know, and he looked, and he looked quite sharp. And, like, you know, he's generally his name's sharp, but he's sharp by nature as well. So he, he dances around a lot, constant movement, so snappy punches. But, yeah, it was just a fantastic body shot. And, and, and I just think he's showing now that maturity, you know, what is he, 24 now, I think, maybe sharp. And and he's just showing that maturity and getting a bit of man strength all of a sudden now. And, and I think that Woodstock win for him was what really, you know, gave him that confidence. You know, he was always a cocky, confident kid, but I think you know, to act to act confident and to and to actually be really be confident is sometimes two different things. And he really is a kid who's just full of it now. Like he he just totally believes that he's just destined for the world title. Whether he will, who knows, you know, domestically this division's hard enough. But you know, I think he's put himself in there and above on maybe top of the list of of contenders there for maybe Sam Bowen, you know, I think in, in that sort of stable. And that's the shot. I'm sure that's the fight to be looking for because you think Sam Bowen, you know, even though he can punch and he's strong and he takes a good shot, he's not the hardest target to find him with, and with Sharp's movement and, and a bit of the weight and, and, and a bit of nastiness he's got in, in spite he has in the punches now. You know, I think he, he, he can give him a real good goal if not beat him, to be honest. So, yeah, I think he's been a bit, a bit of a surprise for us, Archie Sharp. Not for him, of course, because he thinks he's the best thing since sliced bread anyway, which is not a bad thing to believe. But I think for the rest of us, you know, we thought he was good, but now we actually show him to be maybe a bit more quality in his work than we gave him credit for. Yeah, for sure. A fighter that I remember watching him when he was about 3-0, and something like that, and he just stood out to me. It was on an undercard in York Hall on a Thursday night or something, and um, I just thought, you know what, I like the look of him, and you know, we, we, we became pretty, well, we are pretty good friends, and it's, it's good to see him progress this far. He's looking really good, ticking all the boxes. Uh, moving up the card, though, we got to see Hamza Shiraz. Um, another quick knockout, not as quick as the last one, which came in about a minute, but... Um, yeah, he, he, he was able to TKO Ladislav Nemeth in, in the second round. 8-0 and now, Shiraz. Umar Sadiq returned. It's good to see him rack up a win, obviously, after the loss to Zach Chelly. Uh, his record now 5-1, and one, a retirement after two rounds. His opponent didn't want to come out for round three. Jack Catterall, a tick-over fight for him, obviously. Seems like he's waiting on Maurice Hooker. Uh, we'll be speaking to Regis Progre later on in the show. Perhaps we'll ask him about that one. Um, Jack Catterall, 24-0. 
same record actually as as Pro Gray, but a knockout here in round three against Oscar Amador, a guy that we've seen a couple of times over here, I believe, ten and eighteen now. Amador, Zach Chelly, he moved to seven and zero. Oh. It went to it went to the uh, to the final. Well, it went the distance, is what I'm trying to say. A points win there over ten for mm-hmm. the for the vacant Southern Area Super Middleweight title. Jimmy Smith seven and two. Um, a few people were were kind of. Uh, Looking at Smith at the at the public workout the other day in uh, in in Brent Cross Shopping Centre, he was doing the pads. His trainer was holding up these floats, Barry. Um, you know, literally like floats for swimming. Have you ever used something like that before? Uh, no, but they they weren't around then. I think they, no, they use quite often now those um, those skinny offload things. I think they use them for reflexes. I think for speed. I, you know, the more I, the, the pads were relatively new when I when I was an amateur. You know, to be honest, a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of boxers never use pads. You know, they were they were quite a new thing. So really introduced in the eighties, sort of thing. So all those those strokes they use, those little paddle things, and and all it's all brand new stuff for touching. But I, I don't know how effective it is. But I said, even on the pad, like Smith. No, I think the first one, I I, I just admitted to Smith. I thought he sat back and Chelly's choice to Chelly's choice is so hard to impress and and. You know, try and knock everyone out all the time. That he, he sometimes makes plenty of mistakes and and, and show, fall short and gets tagged a little bit. And luckily, Smith's not a big puncher. But I think Smith had the right tactic in the first round. The only thing that happened in that fight was Chelly adapted, and Smith never. He kept, he kept sticking to that same plan of sitting back and waiting. But then Chelly wasn't jumping in too often as the rounds went on. And most important for Chelly moving forward because he's only 21 years of age is that from round five on. He was a be- he was better than he was in the first five rounds. So he adapted, he showed good maturity in his work as well as you know, a good fitness level and a good and a good a good tempo to the fight. So I think I saw I was speaking to his manager, Joe Pyle, and I said, he needs to look at the last five rounds of that fight and say that's how I box, not the first five rounds where we're trying to trying to go in and trying to knock everyone's head off. Because not he's a bit like Chris Eubank Jr., but he's not a big puncher. I mean he can punch and he's snappy with his punches, but he's not a KO artist. You know, I think, but he thinks he is, and and, that, and that's what he needs to get out of his head. But Eubank, when you think Chris Eubank Jr. throw punches, you go, whoa, oh, they look, they look really horrible. But that's see, his, his opponents never really fall down from him, do they? You know, they just, they just rattles them off because he's on the balls of his feet when he's throwing them, so he's not sitting down on the shots. But they look sharp and, and impressive. And Chelly's a bit like that, not the same as, as Eubank Jr. in Star Wars, but that's how, that's how his punches look. He looks like he should be a banger, but he's not. So if he looks at the last five rounds of that fight and thinks that's his blueprint how to win a fight, I think I think that's that's the way forward for him when he's moving around and all looking for angles, fainting, you know, working behind the jab, having jumping in too far out of distance, and not trying and not loading up. I think that's important for him. And, and he will get stoppages in. I think as he, as his career progresses, and he's a young kid, I think you've got to hold him back a bit. They all want to get to the they all want to be like Lomachenko's now and be, be world champion in you know in single figure fights, but you know, that's for special talent. So, you know, you just go about your business, hold him back as long as you can. I would keep him, keep him at the area level for another eight months and I wouldn't go near the British title until, until the end of next year if they, can, if they can hold him back that long. Yeah, I mean, I think the win over Sadiq, I think that fight, they kind of both got matched pretty early, the pair of them. I thought it was a little bit um, a little bit too soon to throw them both in, but he looked great there, didn't he, at the, uh, the no. Brilliant Centre? Yeah. I, I do understand what you I do understand what you're saying like that, but 
I don't think it is too soon to chuck away because it doesn't affect your life. Like I box a kid called Neil Swain about my fifth fight, definitely, or maybe my sixth. Then it became his fifth fight or fourth fight, and we were both undefeated, two kids on Wales, and I beat Neil. And it was a close fight, it was a hard fight. Why wouldn't it be two undefeated kids from Wales? It's a that local derby-ish from South Wales, and, and I won the fight. But Neil went on to win a title before me. Neil went, Neil went on to win a Commonwealth Super Panamint title, so he went, he went a championship before I did. So it didn't affect his career at all. Mm. And and it didn't affect mine. It gave me the confidence that I could compete at, at a high level, then. At a, at, no, at a competitive level, rather than quite a little nobody. Or junior, you know, people just come to survive. You know, I had a few of those as well, but I think that, I think, it, you know, don't be afraid to lose. Uh, no, and I think hopefully the the, the climate's changing because it started in the nineties where being undefeated was more important than actually having a proper apprenticeship. You no, know, rather than former proper fighter, a loss is a loss. Don't mean you're a bad fighter. And you either you know the style was wrong against you, or you know you had an off night and got caught with a shot. Don't mean you can't go on to win a world title or be be a success or be one of the best fighters, but you know, this all this don't don't lose, don't lose, don't lose. It, it, that's uh, I think that I think that that's not always uh, the right way to to form a quality fighter if you're looking to be the best fighter you can be. You have to have those right tests in your career, I think. No, oh, fair enough. I mean you know it more than more than I do, Barry. Um moving up the card once again, Sonny Edwards, he fought for the WBO European Super Flyweight title. I think it was a defence actually against Pedro Matos, only seven and one. Uh, only the one loss. But yeah, Edwards looked really good. A few people were critical about him in, in uh, the later rounds where he seemed to, you know, take a few shots himself. But other than that, I mean he looked spectacular for the you know, for the most part of it, and uh, another dominant win for him, a TKO there in round eight. I think he can go all the way, to be honest with you, Barry, if I have to say so. Well, he looks everything but a star, doesn't he? I think, you know, he drops his hands, those are things that he sort of would, would say not to do. A lot of things that you sort of, you know, that can sort of turn you off a fighter because it looks like a, a bit of arrogance. But he's, he's just a real natural talent, a bit of a maverick, I think. I think, he, I think half the time he's not sure what he's going to do until he gets in there. And and you know and he, he's not the biggest of punches. So I, I sort of said some of the things he does are like Naz Naz Nazim's esque type of stuff. But he hasn't got that natural raw power of a Naz. But his movement and his judgment of distance is absolutely fantastic. And you know, I think the way he switches him on tag, he does things that that you shouldn't do, but gets away with it more than gets away with it. You admire it, where you criticise other fighters for doing it. You sort of praise him for how he's got away with it and. So yeah, so I think he's a bit of a maverick guy, and and a lot of those maverick guys, they look brilliant, and they end up getting tagged or something like happens like that, and sometimes they unravel, or they just go on to be as Naz was, and, and, no, or Harold Graham. But oh, Harold Graham is a perfect example. He's an absolute maverick. Kirk and Lang, absolute maverick. But then when they when they when they get caught, or when they lose, they really do lose. It's not it's no two ways about it. But Sammy Edwards to me looks. In this in this day and age, he looks every bit of a world champion in the making to me. He really does. And I think as he gets older, and I think he's going to move up the weight, I think he starts producing more power in his shots as well. Yeah, I think he's got an incredibly bright future. You mentioned there about these these you know excellent boxers with all the promise, with all the potential, the you know the flashiness, the reflexes, stuff like that. Um, he did actually 
show a little bit of vulnerability, didn't he? I think in his fight before this one, he got put down, didn't he, at the Brentwood Centre, was it? And uh, he got up to yeah, dominate. He, did, yeah. he got up to dominate, but you know he's still still young, like we say. Um, moving up once again, Daniel Dubois against Richard Larty. I've got to say, Richard Larty literally turned up. I think was it on the Friday? He turned up from Ghana at the airport after various visa issues. I didn't think he was going to put up much of a test, really, but he arguably gave Dubois quite a few questions to answer um there was a few moments where they were just completely swinging it out any punch could have landed anywhere and it could have just ended the fight right there a few shaky moments i don't think frank warren was watching on uh feeling most comfortable but um yeah good win exciting while it lasted a few fireworks like i say 11 and 0 now dubois but Larty was a tough guy he took some licks and he gave some himself actually barry so we're uh we're, we're not we're not saying that's a bad opponent that's that's what we want to see really from some of these guys well, it is because for the first time he hit the guy who never never pulled his pants. You know what I mean? The guy didn't shit himself and he got caught. The guy fired back, and that's not the first time. I mean, a guy, a big guy, his same size, you know, he fired back and didn't look to survive. And and also, you know, he, he caught. He was happy to throw with with Dubai. And and in fact, Dubai, you know, in his errors, he shouldn't have been throwing that close that close to the target. He should have kept him nice and long behind the jab. Everything should be should be everything should be straight punches with Dubai. But it's nice to show that he has that. He, he, he was such a relaxed character and doesn't really show much emotion. And he sort of looks a little bit, I wouldn't say docile, but well, I just said it, so I'm not too late. <laughs> but, you know, he, he has that sort of demeanour about him. But actually, he shows a little bit of, you know, come on then, let's have it then. You know, he has a bit of that. Like, you know, throw, I almost like throw the gloves off and go, come on, let's go for it then. And, and, that, and that's sort of like why you, it's nice to see, especially for a big guy, to go, they can bite down and really go, I want, I want to have a fight with you now. Come on, let's see this with you as the toughest. And you don't, want to, you don't want to see that too many times because that's how you can get put to sleep with that weight. But you know, to know it's in the locker when you need it, it's another box ticked that we that we've seen. So yeah, and pretty good. It was good. I mean, I enjoyed. It. I think you know, it, it, it'll do his confidence a world of good. I think it does his mad ability quite a step up, and also that that potential if it happens now that fight with Joe Joyce where. We are fancy, or you know, I've just come against a big guy who I you know who wanted to who wanted to fight with me, and I fought back and took a few shots and gave it to him, and it shows that you no know, Joyce, that listen, you know, even if I hit him, I keep throwing back, but also it shows that if he stands with me, I can hit him, you know, and, and a slight vulnerability which we all love makes it makes him slightly more exciting. Yeah, for sure. And Larone Richards proceeded to 12-0. and uh, He also picks up the vacant Commonwealth super middleweight title and the vacant WBO international against Tommy Langford, former British champion, 21-3. and Both men friended a show. Um, a unanimous decision over 12 rounds. I, I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head a little bit, um, Barry, when you said that Larone has got this... What's the word I'm looking for? This kind of style where he can... What was, the, what was the word you said? You kind of said that he nullifies what the other guy does. I think you, you hit the nail on the head with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, yeah, I, think, I can't remember what I, the words I use now. I make them up as I go along. But I think that's his style. You know, he just, you just, you know that's his style. He just moves around, takes wherever you've got, and then he goes to work. And that's not a bad thing, but it can be frustrating to watch because you, you know he can do more. That's what that's what also because you, you see um, Alan Smith in the corner. He said, come on, put it on him a bit now because it's there for you. It was there for him, but he just his whole demeanour, his whole mentality is negate your work, just negate what you can do, take your take all your tools away from you, 
So you're missing, you're frustrated, you make mistakes, and then he makes you pay for it. But that's a, that takes a long process. So, you know, it takes the rounds where you have to make him miss all the time and just tap him, tap him, and that's what he does go wrong. And he's brilliant at it, actually. But, you know, to sell yourself, sometimes you just got to up the gears a little bit. And, and I think he's in it to do it. And when he did start to get a little bit of flow to his work, look much a much better fighter. So it's, again, start getting that right mentality. And I say this because I was the same as Lerone. I was maybe it's naturally gifted, but I was a guy who, you know, if you, you threw a jab, I'd make you miss, I could too. And, and, and that's how he sort of works. But that's, it's a mental state of mind you've got to get yourself out of. And you've got to be, start, be a little more proactive. Because when you're clever, you can be clever coming forward or clever, you know, or you haven't got to come forward. You can see um, Shakur Stevenson did it the other weekend. He was the guy doing all the work, moving back. He wasn't moving forward. He made the guy come at him, but he was the guy leading off first. He was the guy throwing all the shots. And he wasn't really taking forward steps. And so he, you don't have to be the guy plowing forward. But you have to be the guy leading and throwing first and, and forcing the guy to make mistakes, but making sure he pays for it. And sometimes you have to throw to make them throw and then throw back again. So getting the right balance right to, to, to sell yourself and keep everyone happy is, is what's going to be important for the role if he, if he really wants to get to that, that level of, of earning the big bucks. But he's a talent and a natural talent. So... You know, they'd be happy now that he's even on himself at, the, at a good level. He'd be a good guy in Tommy Langford, being a British perfect opponent in many ways. Maybe Tommy's not the fight that he once was. And Tommy also struggled with the guy because Tommy's always been big for middleweight. Now he's up at sort of middleweight. He's boxing the guy who's massive for the for that weight as well, unfortunately for Tommy. So all the advantages Tommy's always had with a, with a longer reach and being a taller guy and be able to be, be able to dominate from distance, he didn't have that in this fight. And he, he had the boxer style which is not really natural to him, that's come forward. And then um, he struggled with it. And the wrong, it was just bread and butter for the wrong Richards. And, and he, yeah, I thought he boxed really well. Yeah, I think Larone is a real talent. I'm pleased for him because he's now got that name that I think he's been searching for for a long time. He wanted, you know, a name that we know in, you know, in terms of the British public. I think he got that here. I know he wanted the Jermaine yeah. Smile fight a long time ago. It never came to fruition. Um, a couple of things I want to say. I think that, you know, it did seem like he didn't really leave it all in the ring. It seemed like he was you know, coasting at times perhaps and he seemed like he had a lot left in the tank at the end. You could see in between the rounds when he went back to his corner, he was barely breathing. He was he was so comfortable. But we do have to remember it was his first twelve rounder. Perhaps he was, you know, trying to save something there. He didn't want to tire late on. But um yeah, you do get the feeling that if he did step on the gas he could have perhaps closed the show. Um but yeah, that's we'll we'll leave that there. We'll move out now stateside once again to the Cajun Dome in Lafayette, Louisiana, USA. The World Boxing Super Series card over here. Um, friend of the show, she was on last week. It was quite sad to see. It was the first fight on the telecast over here on Sky Sports. Uh, Selena Barrios, she was 5-0. and That's the... Um the elder sister of undefeated prospect Mario Barrios. She stepped in against former WBC world champion Melissa Hernandez, who was actually coming off about two and a half years uh, out of the ring. 22-7 and seven with three draws. And I tell you what, she returned, and she looked amazing, actually. She had two and a half years out. She came in in good shape. She, uh, she was a switch hitter. She, you know, she was, her head movement was unbelievable. Her footwork was crazy. And it was just too much for Selena. I think she probably lost every round. It was really uncomfortable to watch. She really got beaten up, actually. Um, a lot of blood as well. It was really horrible to see. I spoke to her just briefly afterwards, and, you know, she took it 
quite well. She's feeling positive about moving forward and stuff. So all the credit to Selena Barrios, but a brilliant win there for Melissa Hernandez. I think she's 39 years of age, and it's just incredible, that performance. I think she can still have a few big nights in boxing if she wants to. Uh, moving up the card, Nonito Donaire picked up win number 40, the four-weight world champion. He also uh, defended his WBA uh, super well bantamweight title in his WBC diamond title against Stephen Young, a last-minute replacement. Um, he put up a good effort, actually, Stephen Young. Um, he went to the sixth round. He did get brutally knocked out by Nanito's signature left hook in that sixth round. But to be honest, everyone said before the fight, you know, you look at his resume, no standout names. It was it was a last-minute replacement like I say and we didn't really expect him to have too much but he actually he actually did okay I think he landed a few shots on Nanito um, in in many rounds actually he seemed to have quite a bit of success so credit to him but um, he obviously just wasn't good enough for Nanito Denier and actually Denier probably picked up one of the one of the best knockouts so far of 2019 did you happen to see the stoppage Barry? Yeah, I did yeah so it all yeah um Great shot again from Anito, but um, and, and again when he carries that power, and I mean, you know, he's getting caught with a few shots. I think he he just lacked the respect. I think yeah. of the other kid. I think from early on, he knew he was a better fighter at the time, and he felt the guy's power wasn't worried about it. You know, I just think he not quite bullied him, but he was happy to walk around and through, and and not not worried too much what was coming back. And yeah, he, he sort of reinvented himself, hasn't he? Done it really has. I know that. We might have lost against against um, Ryan Burnett, who knows? But you know that win sort of spurred him on back down at a at a weight where he's at, he gets as long as he makes that weight oh, safely. He has all those advantages that he didn't have at featherweight. He just thought the power was going to carry him through wherever he was. But yeah, he looks. You know, I think he's got a the final's going to be hard for him. You, you would you would guess anyway. No, that's the fight you tend to think he's going to beat Rodriguez. To be honest, you would fancy him to to get another conclusive finish. And, and with a guy like him who can box as well as punch, it's, it's hard to see how Denier gets through that at this age. But again, like I said, he moves on the band and he seemed to reinvent himself. And he and he's always been a nice and relaxed character. He seemed to get into the ring Saturday night so relaxed and, and confident, you no know, smiling, waving at people as, as he's walking into the arena. You know, just. A guy who's been and done it at all at every level, and he he carries no fear. I don't think because he knows he has that equalizer of his own. So you know, it'll be an interesting final. Whoever he gets to face, we tend to think that it's going to be um, Anui who's going to be in the opposite corner. Yeah, I have to agree. He's a, he's a classy gentleman as well, Nonito. You could see straight away the concern that he had for his opponent, Young. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not going to go off in another direction, but I think that other that other semi-final is really intriguing, especially the way Rodriguez dealt with Paul Butler. He looked amazing, and he's obviously you know a kind of guy that's going to box on the outside and use his size, which he's got that advantage over um, in Nui. Um It's going to be interesting. I think we, we perhaps could have seen the two style clashes when McDonnell fought Inoue, but he just couldn't get going. So I'm I'm hoping that uh you know that that Rodriguez is able to get going and it'll be interesting, I think, that one by the way. Um but moving up to the to the main event here, Regis Pro Grey, like I said, we won't we won't really discuss this too much. He will be on the show a little bit later. His record twenty four and oh now, his twentieth knockout, a TKO against Kirill Relic, a guy that had never been stopped, twenty three and two. It was of course for Relic's WBA world title. Regis has finally got a belt. It's funny because in this this one forty division everyone would say the two best 
esque guys are Taylor and Progre, and <laughs> yeah. neither of them have actually got a belt. But now that now that one of them does, and of course Taylor gets his chance on May 18th. Impressive showing though from Progre. He absolutely uh, dominated his man. Really, he's another kid who got who's gone massively under the radar. Is this a show about fighters going under the radar? Because that's what it's trying to be. But Progre, fantastic him. Thinks on his feet, power in every hand, fast hands, fast feet. That that little, you know, real champion's arrogance where he thinks he's the best thing since sliced bread. And you know, and yeah, everything, everything. He looks really good. And, and you know, a world title's been overdue for him. That's what good he's been. Let's be honest. And I think Josh Taylor might be the most purest boxer of them all. But you know, and and one of my favourite fighters actually, Josh Taylor. But. He'd be lacking in athleticism against um, Pro Green. That's going to be a problem for him. And that southpaw stance, that's obviously, if Taylor gets through Baranchek first, which is a, a decent scrap for him, but you tend to think that he, if he don't perform, he will. And it's a final that we all predicted. That's what, that's what, that's what we're heading for. You know, we wouldn't fight away from the final that, we would, that all of us would have picked as a, as a fan-friendly fight that we wanted. And also, the two guys probably have the most quality in their work. And and it's um and it's good to see a tournament where you actually you know you have got the two best fighters in in that division without a title as you've rightly said which is which is crazy we feel so the absurdity of boxing and the two best fighters in in the world at, at, at a certain weight don't hold a version of the world title until until the weekend when he just won his he just picked up his title but before that they were still the two best in the weight and neither one held a, 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 a alphabet belt. Which is uh, which might be the sign of things to come, you know, the way the way the climate's changing of the sport, where maybe these belts start having less significance as they go along. <laughs> um, who knows? Who knows? Eh? <laughs> the the fight itself, like I say, Progre was able to put um, Relic down in the first round with a body shot. Um, quite impressive, actually. Relic seemed to turn his back. It's like he didn't want to know. Um, yeah, so that was that was good for Progre. In the second round, he just started busting Relic up, really. Um, he really blooded up his nose and then obviously Relic hit him with that punch after the bell which was a bit naughty but aside from that Progre put on a punch perfect performance his head movement his elusiveness um, to get away from shots was really impressive and like I say in that sixth round he started to find a home for his shots with both hands and in came the towel from Relic's corner pure domination but for me I think Relic can come again um, like I say finally a real world title for Regis who like we say is arguably the best him and Taylor in that division one of them's now finally got a title um, we will be speaking to Regis once again like I say later on in the show and the final bill to mention of the review part at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas in Nevada USA I've got to say I didn't actually watch any of this card um, I'm just going to fly through the results Effia Jagba the, the, uh, the Nigerian um, heavyweight that's looking really good right now he was able to stop in two rounds Michael Wallish who was actually coming off a loss he was 19-0 and and he, he lost to Christian Hammer last time out I think it was in about six rounds Jagba's done it in two he looks really good once again Victor Postel picked up a win against Mohamed Mamoun a guy that we've seen beat Sam Eggington for the European title uh, Mamoun now 21-3 and three, Postel 31-2 and two. that one was a unanimous uh, decision over 10 rounds and top of the bill Robert Easter Jr. against Rancis Bartholomew, two former world champions. It was for the IBF, sorry, the IBO world title and the WBA world lightweight title. Um, 
a split draw over 12 rounds. Uh, not a good fight from what I've heard. Like I said, I haven't seen much of it, but I've heard that they, they literally landed something like, I think it was something crazy. Like they landed about 60 shots over the whole fight, which is insane. Um, 21 and one with one draw, Robert Easter now, and Barthelemy 27 and one with one draw. If you haven't seen anything of that, Bill Barry, then we'll just end part one right there. If you have, then have your say. No, I didn't mean sorry, I missed that. Uh... No, no worries. Doesn't seem like there was too much to watch over there, to be honest with you. Right, that is it then for the review part of the show. Just before we wrap up part one, the last thing to do is to welcome guest number one. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the new WBA super lightweight world champion. It is, of course, Mr. Regis Progray. Regis, welcome back on the show, my man. Oh, man. Thanks for having me, bro. I'm glad to be back. It's always a pleasure having you back, Regis. We last spoke back in early March, so not too long ago. But our <laughs> listeners get to hear your voice every week now on the podcast, the new intro, of course. So uh, thank you for that, I just want to say. Uh, there, there's no real other place to start other than Saturday night. We're, we're speaking on the Monday, just 48 hours ago, pretty much exact uh, uh, since you was in the ring. Um, talk us through the performance, Regis. A real impressive performance. Um, you know, I just I went out there, you know, I just had fun, man. I was relaxed, I had fun, you know, in a dressing room before the fight. My uh, my coach Bobby, he told me, you know, the, don't go out there, don't, you know, you don't have to get hit, you know, because I was thinking I'm gonna make it, a, I'm gonna make it a wall, I'm gonna make it a battle. But then, you know, I was just like, you know what, I'm not gonna get touched, and I don't have to get touched. You know, I just had a a real good performance. You know, everything was flowing right. I felt good. I felt fast. I felt strong. I felt slippery. Um, and I was just very elusive, and, you know, I went out there, and I just did what I had to do, and I just told people before the fight, there's nothing going to stop me from getting that belt, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, do you know what? Talking about your elusiveness, um, your head movement, I mean, and, and just your lateral movement in general was absolutely incredible the other night. I mean, some of the best head movement. I mean, you were pulling out Floyd Mayweather moves, and I've, I'm not I'm not overstepping the mark. That is what you were doing. It was unbelievable. Uh, the first round, Regis, that was where you, of course, forced Relic to take a knee. It was a bit of a strange one because it seemed like a little bit of a delayed reaction. He actually turned his back and walked away. It was almost as if, you know, as if he was done. Um, what did you initially think when he turned his back like that? It was a left hook to the body, though, right? Yeah, it was. It was a left to the body. I knew what I hit him with. I knew exactly what I hit him with. I was target. I was trying to target it, um, but I started opening, you know, and I threw it um, basically. And I knew once I landed with that, that it was gonna happen, you know. And after that, you know, he just stayed. You know, he stayed on his um, wasn't the whole time. He just kept that. He kept his um that that right elbow tucked in the whole time, you know, so he didn't get hit in it again. But I knew exactly, um, I knew exactly what I hit him with, you know. I, I think I threw a jab, or he I slipped something. I threw a jab, and he I then I slipped the jab, and I threw it. I slipped the right hand or something, and I threw it. Yeah, he threw a right cross. I slipped it, hit him in the body, and you know, and and I knew, you know, I knew it was gonna hurt him. And in that second round, that was where you started busting him up. Uh, there was a lot of blood around his nose. Then came that, that awful punch that Relic landed after the bell. It seemed to shake you a little bit, Regis. Do you think he meant to do that? Should you have been protecting yourself anyway at all times? What did you make of the whole, the whole thing? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely you always supposed to protect yourself at all times. That was something that I should have did. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's a fight. after the fight, he told my coach, sorry, you know, he told him sorry for throwing that punch, you know, after the bell, because it was definitely, 
it was after the bell, and you know he gave me after the bell. And it, it, it did. It shook me up about one second, and I, you know, I just I looked at the referee and was like, you know, all right. Basically, I was just thinking like, all right, watch. You know, it, it won't happen again. Basically, you know, he had to hit me with it, but it, it won't happen again, and it did. And you rightly said in the post-fight interview that his losses were close losses, but you dominated him and became the first man to stop him. That win has got people talking about you in the pound-for-pound rankings. Um, Obviously, the pound-for-pound rankings are highly disputed. No one seems to really agree 100% on them. But do you believe that that win has at least solidified your position as undoubtedly the best 140 fighter in your weight class? Definitely, definitely, definitely. You know, pound for pound, maybe, you know, um, I don't know. It's, it's up to the people to put me in pound for pound. But, of course, as far as 140, I mean, just look at my resume. You know, I don't think nobody, you know, I don't think nobody is, is better than me right now. I, I definitely, I felt like I definitely solidified myself as the best 140-pound fighter right now, you know. um, So, like I said, the pound for pound, you know, that's that's all. That's always debatable, but, you know, even 140 could be debatable, but at the same time, I think, you know, I showed most of the people, most of the world that, you know, I, I definitely have to be, right now, I am definitely the best, the best at 140. I have to agree, to be completely honest, but one man that doesn't agree, Eddie Hearn actually went on record saying that he believes Maurice Hooker is unquestionably the king at 140. What are your thoughts on that statement? You know what? I mean, that's his that's his promoter. You know, so he's of course he's supposed to say that. Um, I, I mean, I don't. I think that nobody else believes that. I think you know. I don't even think, to be honest, I don't even think Eddie Hearn believes that. He's just saying that, especially after he it, maybe ask him that. I, I really want to hear what he has to say after Saturday night. What I did, you know, what I did Saturday night. You know, they is nobody had a performance like that yet against that quality of opposition at 140 yet. You know, so. Um, you know, it's it's cool. They're supposed to say that type of stuff. But I, I feel like I'm still, you know, of course, I feel like I'm still at the top of the ball. And I don't know if you know this guy, but um, there's an undefeated guy, also 24-0. and 0. I believe he's in the mandatory position for Maurice Hooker, a guy from the UK called Jack Catterall. Have you seen much of him at all, Regis, or not? I haven't. No, I really haven't. No, that's fine. To be honest, I don't. I, I I actually heard of his name. I did hear of his name before, but I don't. I never seen the fight. I really don't know who he no, is. No so, problem. Um, no problem. Yeah. I, no, it's just. Know, I, I just know. wanted to point it out there. He's about the same sort of height as you. He's he's also a southpaw. Um, a lot of people over here believe he'll actually probably beat Hooker anyway. But um, yeah, that's a guy. Yeah. That's a guy to look out for. He's sparred. He's been over there. He's sparred Canelo. He's sparred Mayweather. But um, yeah, that's a name that. That I thought I'd just bring to your attention there momentarily. May eighteenth, um, not too long now to wait. Will you be watching from from your house, or, or are you going to be making the the long trip over to Scotland? I'm guessing you're probably not doing that. You know what? I probably I probably go. You know, a lot of people ask me that question, and um, I think it should be. I think I should go. I've never been to Scotland, so I could definitely use it as a vacation. So I have to take care of a few things here, and then um, yeah, I probably I probably will go. Probably go to I know that the Scottish boxing fans will be delighted to see you. Um, prepare to get to, to, to you know sign a few gloves and take a few pictures because they love their boxing over there, Regis. Um, oh, I already know. Yeah, it, it'll be a real good. It'll definitely be a real good trip. So yeah, I think um, most likely I'll, I'll most likely I'll be over there. Um, but yeah, like I said, I have some things. I'm actually um, I'm moving cities and stuff, moving states and cities. 
over here. So I have to take care of some things first before I actually, you know, start traveling long again. Okay, okay. Um, you know, Josh Taylor takes on Ivan Baranchik. You've told me in the past that this is a real close fight. It's it's pretty much a 50-50. Um, you said in the post-fight interview once again, you didn't really care who wins the fight. You'll gladly fight either of them. But surely, Regis, if I'm pressing you a little bit here, surely you've got some kind of preference as to who you'd prefer to fight. Yeah, I'd rather fight Josh Taylor. You know, I rather, I rather, yeah, I rather fight him. Yeah, if 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 I had a preference to fight somebody, it'll be Josh Taylor simply because you know, I think I really think he is the second best at one forty. Besides me, he's the best right now. So you you don't get you won't get this type of opportunity. You not get you definitely not getting at one forty seven right now. You got Terrence Crawford and you got um Errol Spence, and you're not getting those. You're not you're not about to get that fight. You know, so you got the two best people in the division, and they're about to fight each other. You know, they they have the they have a chance to fight each other. So. I definitely think, yeah, I re- I rather fight um I rather fight Josh Taylor just because you know he is you know he is the 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 next best thing to me and it'll be a it can be a it'll definitely be a super fight you know um it, it could be like a pay per view fight but it's it's happening you know it's, it's about to happen yeah it should well of course he got it granted he got to get past um but rent check you know so. But, yeah, it yeah, for me that is a pay per view fight. I've got to be honest; it it really would be the two best in the in the division should Taylor get past Baranchik. Um But respect to you, Regis, obviously for wanting to kind of fight the best guys. I I really believe you when you say that. I know a lot of people like to say this; they don't really mean it. But I know the way you are, and I really respect that. About yeah, you. I mean, I definitely, I definitely, yeah, me, I I definitely want, yeah, I want to fight. I want to fight the best. You know, it's. For me, that's what it's about. It's about the best people fighting the best. Yeah, that that is what the boxing yeah, fans yeah, like yeah. as well, of course. Yeah, exactly. You know, like I said, you got all these in the different divisions. You got you know the best people, and they don't end up you know they don't they don't end up fighting each other and stuff. You know, so now you have you know in at one forty the two best people is is definitely I feel like it definitely is it's me and Josh Taylor, and you know we should and we both are in a tournament. We should end up fighting each other. So I'm you know I'm. That's why, like I said, that's why I signed up, and I'm glad that you know I'm doing it. So, you know, it's I'm I I can't wait. I I should go to you know should most likely I'll be in Scotland for the fight. Okay, and finally, Regis, I just wanted to throw it over to you, like I always do. Have you got any closing words for our listeners before we let you go, my friend? Oh man, thanks for supporting me, bro. Um, you know, I had a wonderful you know wonderful night. We're a good fight. Everything was perfect, you know. And I like I said, um, hopefully I see you know I see people. I see y'all in. See, um, you know, the boxing fans out there in Scotland, you know. So, um, I just thank everybody for just keep watching. And like I said, my, I'm going to continue to put on great performance. I'm going to continue to keep doing my thing, keep doing what I got to do. And, you know, and it's going to just keep going like that. It's going to just keep going like that. Listen, Regis, I'd like to congratulate you once more on your win. Thank you so much for your time this week. And we'll catch up again very soon. All right, cool, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. I'm just going to try to go through what I've got here. Um, Matram made a good signing. They've signed um, lightweight prospect Devin Haney, a man that's been on this show, a real promising prospect, by the way. Um, we've heard all sorts of sparring stories about him. Um, he He's actually, I believe, entering some kind of co-promotional agreement. He's got his own Devin Haney promotions that he's actually had a few cards shown on TV with. So credit to him. 
him. He's he's a young guy. I think he's only still about 19. So real real bright future for him. Dave Allen will be taking on David Price um, following Allen's win the other night over Lucas Brown. Impressive, impressive. But um, interesting fight, really, Barry. It's one of those ones where I can just see it 100% ending in a knockout. Is is um, Dave Allen going to walk on to too many clean shots from, from David Price? He won't be able to eat those uppercuts if Price starts landing the shots that Lucas Brown was landing. But um, you also kind of think, will the occasion get to Price? And will he end up gassing out after a couple of rounds and end up walking onto an overhand right again? Well, and that's the problem with David. I think, I think he struggles. He's got a problem with his jab. Yeah. He's got a problem with his, with his elbow, his shoulder, because he... He don't throw that jab with any authority anymore, so he's always and he knows that he, when he gets caught, he, he can get hurt more than most fighters at his height. And 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 listen, they're all big guys, but he knows he's vulnerable around the whiskers, but he, he can't throw that jab up properly. There's a, there's a problem there, and he knows it, so he can see, he always fights like a man with fear. And but when you fight with fear, that gives the guy in the opposite corner loads of confidence to walk right through you. And when they've seen fights of your past, so Dave Allen's a tough kid. He's going to try and just charge. Price as quick as he can. If Price can get that solid jab working, then he'll knock he'll knock Dave Allen out walking forward. Guaranteed, I guarantee it. But you just tend to think that he can't throw a solid jab and and you know, to throw a right hand from right out. You know, with that with that size, you'll see it coming, and you'll slip and you'll catch him with a shot. So, so I thought I'd never say something like this, but I think Dave Allen might end up that will start a favour against David Price where. It sounds crazy when you think of the pedigree of what Price had and the potential and where he looked like he was heading early on in his career. The fact that, that someone like Dave Allen was not a favourite against him, which is quite sad, really. And that's Christian Dave Allen. a fantastic brilliant news. This is a fight that's been made from Twitter, let's be honest. So he's not a bad fighter, right? he's not saying he's rubbish, but his whole image has been reinvented through Twitter because he's a funny guy by the sounds of it and he's charismatic and he's, he's hard not to he's hard to dislike he's hard not to like and he's, he's like a lovely lovely kid you know but you know, he's going to get a shot at something decent where maybe he's probably not big enough or good enough to really compete at the higher level but he'll get there through his personality and being well matched with people like Lucas Brown was, was a big win for him but Lucas Brown is very crude and Obviously, shop worn as well, and, and I think that's the same thing with David Price. But there'd be good names on his record, so yeah, I, I think he's that's a favourite. I think every fight with Price now is is a is a worry for him that he just sort of starts going further down the ladder until he can't really get a fight with anyone anymore worth anything. He'd be fighting um, if he keeps going. He'd be and if he's getting the fighting prospects who are like four and no and things like that, which would break your heart to see someone like David Price of his quality. Like end up end up that way, it really would. Yeah, I agree. I know that Dave Allen started the favourite against Lucas Brown and uh, Sky Bet. Funny enough, are taking bets um, for Dave Allen to be holding the WBC, WBO, WBA, and IBF world titles. All four of them by 2020. It's a hundred to one, Barry. So uh, I don't know if you fancy lumping throwing someone. Your men, throwing <laughs> Throwing him anyway, and he was to be honest, not to disrespect him, but he went and he was just ridiculous. He actually came out himself and said that that's that's crazy. (laughs) Well, it is crazy, isn't it? As long as he keeps his expectations on a level head, then 
then you know I think you, you know, you'll do fine with his career. But if he starts thinking he's going to be Fox and Andy Joshua and winning world titles, then you know he's he's going to be in for the upsetting an upsetting little, little stage of his career because I don't think he's going to get that that far. No, I mean Eddie. Hearn, I don't want to again go too much on on this subject, but Eddie Hearn actually said yeah. that he believes Dave Allen against Povetkin would be a war. I mean, I think that's that's dangerous. No, that's dangerous. It, it is. You know, listen, Povetkin's not the fight that he was, but he's still a quality operator, yeah. and you know, and he showed that against he showed that against Joshua, you know, in the few rounds. So, yeah, I think that's a fight that he wants a fight that he wants to stay away from. Yeah, I agree. But moving on to the next part of the news, um, Ryan Burnett has, has joined top rank. Interesting move. Obviously, I'm hearing that he's moved up from Bantam to Super Bantam. The obvious fight that you'd look at would be the winner of um, Isaac Dogbay and Neverette in their rematch. Um, perhaps he wants one fight first. He will be having one fight first. He actually fights on May 17th. Um, is, that, is that the undercard of that one? I could be wrong. No, Ryan Burnett made seventeenth in Ulster Hall. That's a part of the deal with NTK Global and ESPN Plus. Ah, well, I got it completely wrong. I know this. I know this. I'll be doing the. I'll be doing the commentary on it. Yeah. So a lot of it. It seems like a lot of these NTK fighters now are doing deals with co-promotions with top rank, and uh, obviously you know you got Mike uh, Conlon and and also Ryan Burnett and Tyson Fury, and I think, I'm not sure if Billy Joe maybe got some sort of deal there. Maybe I'm not quite sure, but. There seems to be a, a lot of um, co-promotions and links going on now, and seems to be a weird thing. It's a weird thing because British boxing booming, but yeah, all, all our fighters want to go and box in America. <laughs> but yeah, whatever, um, that, whatever that means. Yeah. <laughs> but no, a good move there for top rank. Obviously, a good fighter. He's he's fully back in training now, and his fight will be against. Uh, he takes on a guy called Helbert Gomera. Uh, that one, like I say, May 17th. And the final piece of news, Cody Davies has now signed with Frank Warren. I think Cody had the deal with, was it Haymaker Ringstar before? Obviously a Welsh fighter. You yeah. Should, you, should, you should just fill in the yeah. gaps. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, even though he's a Welsh fighter, unfortunately, from my sins, I've lived in England for the last 19 years, so... He's, I'm not sure what is he? he's only about 19 himself isn't he 20 so I don't know him personally Cody but what I know is that he's a talent for sure and with Gavin Reese, you know with a wealth of experience in your corner and also you know Sam Jones to be fair you know he's, he's managing people he's broken in deals for, for some of his fighters Joe Joyce and a really good job with Joe Joyce and you know he's got Cody you now with our link up obviously with Joe Joyce and, and Frank Warren now as well you know, Cody involved as part of that, and uh, it'll help his career and help his profile in the UK for sure, and also help to make some fantastic domestic fights. And that's what, for British boxing fans, that's what we want to see really. As much as we want to see all these fighters go on and win world titles and dominate globally, we want to see domestic bust-ups because that's where you're more invested, and that's where you get bigger crowds in in, in the audience because you have a personal interest. And a fighter, and also that pride comes in the state there as well. You know, as much as wanting to be the best in the world, you want to be the best in your area, and and that's first and foremost. There's no point in being the world champion, but then having the fight with Britain who who, who can, can easily argue they're better than you. You want to be the you want to show you're the best, and then move on. So I think domestic fights is where some of our 
our best known fighters have made their have made their living with domestic matches more than more than being internationally um, invested. To be honest, so yeah, I think for Cody Davis, this 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 link up now is, is I think it's the right move for the right time. Yeah, for sure. And leaving the news there, moving over to the preview part of the show, not really too much to go over. We're actually going to start in Kinshasa, in 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 Congo. A good fight here, though, though uh, Barry. Ooh. You're going to like this one, I think. Ilunga Makabu, former opponent of Bellew, fought at yeah. Goodison Park, 24-2. and two. He takes on former heavyweight turned cruiserweight Mike Perez, 24-3. and three. With one draw, interesting. That one's for the WBC Silver Cruiserweight title. Is that the kind of fight that you uh, get intrigued by, Barry? Because that's the kind of fight I look at and think, do you know what? That could be quite special. It is, uh, especially when Mike Perez is just a stereotypical Cuban, just absolute bundles full of talent, no application. But if he's done at the right weight, that means he's made an effort. Because he was never a heavyweight. Let's be honest. That, now maybe he can produce some goods now. I think you know. Hopefully he can. And Makubo obviously is a massive puncher, but also so easy to hit that it's ridiculous. But that's so I think yeah, he really is, isn't he? So I think it makes it an exciting fight because as Perez, as, as quite a lot of Cubans are, they're beautifully gifted, but also extremely vulnerable for whatever reason that is. Most of them, not all of them, but most of them are. And I think yeah, I think that's a really good fight that is, and I, I bet you that'll be a fight with no TV attached to it. It'll be in the middle of nowhere. No one will know. No be able to see it. And it'll end up being one of those absolute classic fights that no one's ever seen. <laughs> Leaving Congo and flying out to Germany. Uh, just a small little card, really, to mention over here. Uh, Anthony Yijit, obviously, we've seen him crash out of the World Boxing Super Series. His record, 22-1 and one with one draw. He's in, he's just coming back, really, in an eight-rounder against Sandro Hernandez, 15-7 and seven with three draws. Also on that bill, Abbas Barrao, 5-0, and oh, um, a good amateur. In his last fight, he got, in my opinion, a questionable win against former world champion Carlos Molina. Um, Abbas Barrao is, is a decent fighter. Though. I think he's only 23 years of age. Like I say, 5-0. and oh. He takes on Ali Funika, who's got a record of 40 wins, 10 losses and 3 draws. So it's another step up there for the young man, Abbas Barrao. Uh, also, uh, well, no, that's it for that one. Moving out stateside to the Stockton Arena in California, USA. Um... Good couple of fights here. This one on on ESPN in the states. Jerwin and Cahas, thirty and one with two draws. He puts his IBF World yeah. Super Flyweight title on the line against Ryuchi Fune, who is thirty one and seven. Uh, but the more interesting fight for me for the IBF World Light Heavyweight title, Artur Baturbiev, thirteen and zero, takes on a guy who I'm not good with a pronunciation here. Um, Radivoj Kaladzic, but to my understanding, the one loss was a very questionable loss to Marcus Brown. His record twenty four and one, um, a twelve rounder, of course. Uh, do you know much about this guy, Barry at all? No, I don't yet, and, and it, that show it's also live on Box Nation in the UK. That that fight, but and I, I'll probably be working it, so I, but I haven't really done much research on him yet. Again, it's one of those guys, you know, they don't tend to they just tend to bypass until until he until he gets an opportunity. You don't sort of keep a tab on some of these fighters because you just tend to think, you know, that they're boxing in the middle of Europe somewhere and you know, they're not boxing many people and, and obviously you don't get to see you didn't get to see the Brown fight, but as much as there was there was talk that maybe he was unlucky, I kind of didn't actually get to see it. Then you know, you have to take someone else's word for that, which is I'm not always a fan of. Ah. But yeah, but 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 I tend to think that it's all sold on 
the on the presence of, of Paterbiev, you know, making making a statement on ESPN, you know, with obviously they have Kovalev as well on that platform and, and, and that's that's the fight they're looking for the unification match, I guess. So he has to look good and I think Paterbiev, you know, he's, he's a beast of a man. But again, out of all of out of all of those champions, I know maybe Kovalev probably deemed as the as the weakest out of all those um, Ukrainian two Ukrainians, two Russians dominating the the, the light heavyweight division or, or three Russians one one Ukraine I should say he, he tends to be maybe the one who's more easier to hit and probably less skilled than all the others hmm. so yeah so so for me it's it's interesting how, how we you can always you dine out on strength and he's and I think he's had a good apprenticeship he's had other many fights he broke a couple of former world champions early in his career as well like four and five fights Campelio was one of them you know and he, he dealt with him quite easily so he's, he's, a, he's a class operator, but you know, I think this is a fight that I'm sure they're going to, they're going to give him a massive test. I mean, you know it's a world title fight. They want to make him look good to sell the fight with Kovalev. I think that's important. And then they'll give Kovalev what, they, what they'll deem or what they'll see as an easy fight for this next defence. That might be that, and that might be Anthony Yard, but they'll still see it as an easy touch, to be honest. And they can't see it any other way, can they? On paper, whether it's whether it's a bit of a hard fight or not, but on paper, like this one, on paper, the Serbia should be dominant. Like Cobbler should be dominant with his on paper, and then that, and then that that becomes a massive fight for them two fighters, you know, somewhere late in the year. So I think, and and top rank and Bob Arum's, a, a, you know, still a fan of old-fashioned promoting where where you build up a fighter's profile before you put him in tests. I think. And 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 that's how he does it. That's what he's going to do with Tyson Fury again, which is frustrating for us guys. But I think he's going to do that, build his profile in the, in the states by feeding him fighters. And I think Baturbiev is going to be sort of have that. But but fast track is already he's already. I think the cop they're thinking how long's Kovalev's going to last. I think that's where they that's where they they they're banking on. So I think Baturbiev, you know, he's always excited to watch. That's a good thing about him. You know, when we've got a fight, who wants to just who wants to just I, again? I don't think he's going. He's a massive concussive puncher. You know, I don't think he hits you and the lights go out, but he's so heavy-handed that he just knocks you in the next week. Yeah, yeah but no, his opponent here, Radivoj Kaladzic, um, he's known as Hot Rod. Like I say, 24-1, 17 by knockout. The one loss, as I mentioned, came to Marcus Brown. It was actually on the undercard of um, of Glowacki and Cunningham. It was also the same night and the same card where Errol Spence beat Chris Algieri. So I remember that bill, but I can't really remember this fight. But it ended up being a split. No, I can. Yeah, I remember the bill. Yeah, it was a split decision over eight rounds. It, we had cards of 74-76, 76-74 and 75-76. Brown was down in round six and Kaladzic was down in the first round. So a real close fight by the looks of it. Kaladzic is from Bosnia by way of, uh, of Florida now. But to be honest, when you first saw Marcus Brown, I didn't I didn't think much of him. To be honest, I think he's improved dramatically. So you know, again, this, might, this kid might be good. I haven't seen him yet. I'll do some research on him before no before the, before the weekend, of course. But you know, it might be a case of that. I think Brown was just a guy who had fast hands, fast feet, that sort of stuff. But didn't look he looked vulnerable. Didn't look great to me. He sort of just come on really quickly. I, I didn't. I thought I seen him a few times earlier in his career. I didn't think he was much. Great shakes. He's one of the guys I thought oh, this guy they're building up was not quite going to make it to the grade. Uh, you know, sometimes you get it wrong. Yeah, no, 
he certainly has impressed lately, but that should be an interesting fight. I've seen a few people on Twitter and stuff like, um, you know, real boxing guys from the States that are saying they reckon this guy could actually upset the odds that, uh, on that fight there. But uh, oh, wow. the final bill to mention at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, where else to finish? Um, it's going to be on Sky, of course. Let's talk about the undercard first. Just fly through this one. Saddam Ali, former world champion, 27-2. and two. He takes on Anthony Young, 20-2. and two. That one's for the vacant WBC United States silver welterweight title. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, we've got prospect Lamont Roach, 18-0 and 0 with one draw. He takes on Jonathan Aquendo for the WBO uh, International and NABO Super Featherweight title. Also, prospect young guy called Virgil Ortiz Jr. I've heard a lot of good things about him. 12-0. and 0. It's a 10-rounder yeah. against former... I uh, don't think he actually held a full world title. He was an interim champion, wasn't he? Maurizio Herrera, a guy that's been on the the uh, the bad end of a yeah. few close decisions, twenty four and eight. That's Danny, a, Danny Garcia yeah, was one of the one. I remember that one in Puerto Rico. That was the same bill that beat him, beat him, yeah, beat him, for me, he did. That was the same bill that Deontay Wilder beat Malik Scott in a round. Do you remember that? <laughs> oh yeah, or well, you just passed him, Malik. Yeah, of course. I can. I remember. I remember being on the same bill. That I like. I just remember Herrera. I thought Herrera beat Garcia that night. It really did. And moving up the card, John Ryder. It was supposed to be against David Lemieux. I've got to be honest. I was a little bit. um, I was a little bit happy when that fight didn't happen. To be honest with you, because I think that was a bit. I don't know. I don't want to see John Ryder in there with a man like Lemieux, who has got that one-punch knockout power. But he takes on Bilal Akawi, who isn't really known to many people, but 20-0 and with one draw. He's based in Australia. I've heard a lot of the Australians saying he's a future world champion for sure. So I'm hoping that John has found out sufficient information before signing to take that, because uh, even though he hasn't got the notice, I think he's kept himself in good nick for a fight he had lined up after or something. So that could be um, that could be interesting, actually. There, yeah, I think so. I think, see, I, and I, I agree with you with the the, the Lemieux fight for Ryder because you know Ryder's a good fighter. He hasn't got the fleet-footedness of of obviously Billy Joe Saunders. So stylistically, Lemieux's always a hard fight. And to think Lemieux's past is sell-by date, if that's what you're banking on, then I think you have to be very careful with a guy with that sort of power. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not upset that that fight's not I'm not upset that fight's not happening. Yeah, I think I think it would have been a hard ask there for. John Ryder. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think. I think. You know, John has done some amazing things. To think he got stopped by Nick Blackwell, and then to to have like this four or five fight run in a row now, where he's gone in multiple fifty fifty fights. The Jamie Cox fight. Uh, the the fight with Patrick Nielsen, who was ranked one uh, number one with a WBA, obviously yeah, the, the course, fight yeah. last time out. I can't remember who he fought now. It was an undefeated Sir Guy. No, not Kuzmin. That's a heavyweight. Forgot the guy's name, but anyway, <laughs> he had a few. He had a few fifty fifties in a row, and he's he's managed to stop multiple guys now. He's had a hard journey, but yeah, even we saw it, didn't we, against um, Spike O'Sullivan, where Lemieux stopped him in a round. So he's certainly not done. But yeah, this guy uh, Bilal Akawi, like I say, I'm hearing a lot of good things. I'd love John to do it. It's a it's a brilliant stage. It's a great place to get a, a brilliant win and get some worldwide recognition. Twenty seven and four, John Ryder. That one's for the interim WBA World Super Middleweight title. But the main event, Barry, Saul Canelo Alvarez, fifty one and one with two draws, takes on Danny Jacobs, thirty five and two. They call him the Miracle Man. Great fight. They call him the Miracle Man. I mean, if anyone can do it, he can do it. 
I think yeah. Well, you know, I, I thought I thought he just nicked against Golovkin when he but he boxed Golovkin a few years ago, and I thought he boxed brilliantly. I really do, but it's another big it's another big test for him. You know, forget about the fact that it's in Las Vegas, and and you just tend to think that can Canelo lose a decision in Las Vegas? Even though, and I thought even though I thought Canelo lost the two Golovkin fights, I still think he did. No, I don't think it was a massive robbery. The second one was a massive robbery, but I thought I thought that Golovkin did enough to win it. Still, he's shown an intelligence I didn't think he had. Canelo, we knew he was good and strong, but I always thought he was always going to be always the better because he was always the naturally bigger or a bit of a bully. And then he could produce the good work, but he came up against a guy who was bigger, hit harder than him, stronger than him in many ways in, in Golovkin, and he showed some sublime skills, some brilliant. Some brilliant boxing techniques, you know, clever moves, setting up attacks. He did everything right, you know, that he did everything that he could do to win that fight. The best he could do, I think he boxed really intelligently, even though I thought he came up a bit short. But obviously never, the, the judges didn't think that. And I think that, surprisingly, I fancy him big against Jacobs. I really do. I, th- I don't think Jacobs is going to be able to dance around like he did against Golovkin. I think Canelo has faster feet than Golovkin. I think his brain works a little bit faster as well because Golovkin sort of just happily just slowly walks you down and hurts you. But Canelo won't worry. If he, and I've seen that against against Golovkin. Canelo won't worry if he can't hurt you. Golovkin will, will start to panic if he can hurt you and I don't think Canelo does. You'll just keep working away. You'll, you'll work on speed rather than rather than some power if he, can, if he can't get you out of there. So I think I think it's going to be a fight where Canelo looks absolutely fantastic. I think it'll be a half. I think it'll be a hard fight to start off with a cagey fight because Jacobs is is a quality opposite. He's clever. He's big for the weight as well, and, and every punch he throws is solid. But I think Canelo's going to really just show how good he is Saturday night. Really do. Yeah, I mean, like I say, it's for Daniel Jacobs' IBF world title and Saul Canelo Alvarez brings his WBA super and his WBC. Um, it's, it's, it's a fight. WBC what? W, w, WBC what? What is it? Is he the champion? Is he diamond? Is he, is he Emiratus title? Is he just make up? No, doesn't he? Just give titles for their fight. I think he has a genuine WBC title. No, yeah, he's got even there. He's got the genuine WBC title, but I think they Don't worry, Barry. I think they have brought out a special Cinco de Mayo belt <laughs> once again for him. Can, can, I, can I just digress a little bit? We talked about that belt in, in, in Wembley. And it didn't get announced, and I'm glad they pulled the tag away from it. But Daniel Zubar's fight was originally for the WBO Global Heavyweight title. Oh, yes. Yeah. Now sink in. WBO Global Heavyweight Championship. Over, over, it might have been 10 rounds, I'm not quite sure, but global. Isn't that just a world title? I don't understand what that, what that means. Yeah, but Barry, what about, How do you... what about the people that don't believe that the world's round? They they want a flat earth title as well. Oh. <laughs> well, why not? I don't see why you, why you discriminate against people who have idiotic ideas of how the world works. Exactly. No, but, you know, it's, but you know, they, call, they were going to call it a global title. Obviously, you know, saying the heads prevailed, and they, and they went, listen, we can't have that announced. That's just an absolutely ridiculous statement to make. But up until, up until the day, that was the WBO wanted to enforce that, and it's like a competition with these with these organisations who can be the most idiotic. You know, the WBA, the WBA being the shining light of, of idiocy for a few years now. Let's be honest, for the, the last sort of six, seven, eight, nine, ten years with with their super champions, and let's see how many world champions we can get in one organisation. 
But, you know, they're, they're followed by the WBC giving... Well, the WBA, again, with Lewis Ortiz giving him a, a six-month drug ban when, you know, what's six months going to do to a fighter? They have... They, 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 they only fight twice a year, they only fight it. What's that going to do? <laughs> you're banned for six months. Well, that's, thanks, I'm banned for six months. I take all those drugs now in six months while I'm banned, and you're not going to test me. And then when, I, when, I, and then when I've taken the drugs, you can test me then, and I'll be off them, and I can fight again. So, yeah. But sorry, I, 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 I digressed a bit there, but yeah, the WBC title from the States, which is nice. That he, he, he won that by default, I think, Pinello. But he is, listen, he is a fantastic fighter, and and... You know, he proved to me to be a better fighter than I ever thought he was going to be. I just thought he was a good guy, you know, who was always a bigger, stronger fully. But I think against Golovkin, he showed so oh, brilliantly, beautifully skillful he is. And that's why I think, you know, Jacobs is a great fighter. And, and ironically, you know, I thought Canelo lost the two Golovkin fights, and I thought Jacobs won his fight against, against Golovkin. I fancy Canelo really big in this fight. Really do. Yeah, so do I. I mean, I, I know we talk about that Golovkin fight. After that, Danny Jacobs had the win against Luis Arias, who was just too small for him. He didn't look that great, in yeah. my opinion, against Selecki, even though he dropped him in the final round, and that's what made the cards quite yeah. far apart. And he didn't look that great against Derevianchenko in his very last fight, I've got to be honest. So, sure. um, but Derevianchenko is not a bad fighter, actually, though, to be fair. So, yeah, and I think you know, style-wise, it's, it's difficult. But I think, yeah, I think, I think, you know, I think, I think Jacobs might have just hit that peak. Yeah, actually. And, but you know, listen, he, he deserves to. You know, in an era where some fighters are getting crazy money, very little. He's a guy who forget about his history of you know with the camp and everything else. Just his his resume in the ring. He deserves, you know, a, 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 a really good payday. And I, and I think this is going to be this is hit this is for him by Saturday night, but. This is to beat. I think we've saw we saw against it with the two Golovkin fights to beat Canelo in Vegas is it means you have to put on an absolute masterclass, and I can't see him getting anywhere near that. To be honest, I think he's 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 gonna have to fight the fight of his life, and then still have Lady Luck riding on his shoulders. I just can't can't see it at all. Yeah, and it's also, uh, like I said, I don't really want to bang on about this too much, but we've seen the judges that have been announced for it, and I mean, that's that's actually unbelievable. You know about the judges that are judging the fight, Barry, right? No, it's not Adelaide Bird, is it? It's the exact same three judges for the Golovkin 2 fight, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> or is it Golovkin 1? Let me double-check that, actually. Oh, Golovkin 1, Golovkin 1 is even worse. <laughs> Um, well, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked. They put, they're probably in a WhatsApp group for all of them. Yeah, you've got, you've got no, you've got Dave Moretti, Glenn Feldman, and Steve Weisfeld. Um, they were definitely for. Okay. Was it Golovkin one or two? Let me just double check. It was for. No, Golovkin one. It was. Uh, yeah, Adelaide. I think Bird, there was, a, there was right, a lady judging yeah. no, Golovkin one. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. For, it was for Golovkin two. So uh, the exact same three judges. Yeah. I mean, that's that's not great. To be judging a fight and, and wrestling and fight, they're very difficult things to do. And people, a lot of people don't understand actually how you judge a fight. And, and that's why people go mad about scoring and That's 117, when it's a close fight, but that doesn't mean anything. And I would say to people, the listeners, don't worry about this. Don't worry about how someone's won. As long as the right person's not the result. Sometimes the scorecard doesn't reflect your effort. That's how scoring works. And it's, it's not always fair on the fight that you've lost, but... You can have twelve close rounds to just lose every round. You know, 
and people don't see that because you're watching the total. You just see this is after after eight rounds, you go, oh, this is a close fight. It's four four. Yeah, exactly. You know, you 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 like it all the time. It's very close. You could go either way, but actually, if you score round by round, and then put and then put that put that round in the bin and forget about it, you can find out you just you know that's what Joe's looking for. It's not twelve. It's not a twelve round fight. It's twelve one round fights. Yeah, exactly. Where he has to be almost like it's a new fight, a new every single round, and that makes it. No, judging a fight is slightly different, and that's what I try and do. And it's, it's, it's because sometimes you you see a guy. I, I give a round the other week. I give a round to Can. I give the second round to Amir Can the other week so against so I, uh, Crawford. Against Crawford, uh, I give the round, and I said I give the round to Can, but Crawford looks more comfortable out of the two. He looked, he looked like he was in charge, even though he lost the round, and and, and that could be the case. Cause, you know, he knew that he, he just took his foot off the gas and. and and Cran nicked the round of him, but Crawford's still the more comfortable. But if you watch it at home, you're going, God, look, Crawford, he's just playing with him. You forget about he hasn't thrown a punch for, the, for two and a half minutes. Just keep looking, look, he's walking, kind of wrong, kind of looks panicked, and he's, you know, he's throwing for his life. But that's, he still won the round. That's it. You, you, if you look at it that way, and I think sometimes you can do one sort of get really critical for judges and referees because of wide scorecards where, and, and trainers, and all that Twitter, they don't make it any easier. Like, by you know, causing controversy and uproar, going, I can't believe this judges score this. My fight, they lost, okay, they didn't lose by that much. And they know how the fight works, how scoring works, and they just, you know, stirring the pot. So, I think, you know, just as long as the right fight gets the results, that's what I'd say. But having the same judges of, of another fight you know, that, were, that were involved in a controversial fight with one fighter, then to have them again in another fight just sets up a potential controversial situation if the fight's re- remotely close or if there's if any if people think Jacobs has won but doesn't get the, the decision then that's going to be more of a talking point of the judges who were there rather than the fight itself so why would you, even from Canelo's point of view why wouldn't they want and the Vada State just get different judges in they have enough judges I know they have a they have a roster and probably a, a rotation system but for these special occasions and for, and for what's happened in the past just get three different judges who haven't who haven't worked on a Canelo fight for the last two years and put them in there. And, and then, you know, then you can go with this and we've got the judges that haven't worked Canelo fights for a long time and this is what, or, or at all, you can find some that haven't worked Canelo fights at all and you go, there you go, these guys have never worked a Canelo fight at all. They're our judges. We stand by with this, but no, they're well trained and then here we go. But no, they've got three guys who've worked the fight before and they got, and so, you know, Canelo's going to be a witness boy if there's anything remotely controversial in the fight. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds crazy, to be honest with you, but hopefully there is no controversy. Of course, no one wants that. And I agree with you also, Barry. I think it is going to be... I, I fancy Golovkin... Uh, sorry, not Golovkin. I fancy Canelo big. I, I actually think he, he could even possibly stop Jacobs late on. That's how big I fancy him. Um, but yeah, I mean... Hopefully we see a good fight. It is a unification, so it's the fights that we want to see, and I've got no problem with this yeah. one. Um, and and that's really about everything, to be completely honest, Barry. Just before we wrap up the show, I just wanted to to uh, to thank you once again for taking part in this in this week's podcast. You've bowed me out so many times now. You've done it once again. Uh, I uh, I really appreciate it, Barry. Thank you so much for joining me once again. No, I mean. Joe, you do a fantastic job. I've got some great guests. I don't, I mean, excuse me, I don't, I'm not trying to, you know, you, you, some of the guys you get on the phone from around the world where bigger companies with massive backing can't do it. They can't get the people you've got from, you've got on the, on the, on the, on your show from day one. 
some of these names. Some people now who are stars now, who weren't stars when you first started interviewing them, let's not forget. And people who have bigger podcasts with big, 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 big vehicles behind them, helping them with their with their bosses, have a massive Rolodex of all these names they can get, and they can't get the names you get. And there's a lot of credit. You take a lot of credit for that. That's a lot of perseverance, phoning people up, people ignoring you, harassing people on Twitter. But now you have a reputation where people want to be on your cat on your podcast. And so I think you've done a great job, mate. And I'm not you know, stroking your ego. It's just these just facts. You know, I don't. I'm not an ass. I've never really been that way. But this is just facts. You do a great job. And then um, you know, just and it's a 24 hour job. You know, and you should be you should be getting uh, the plaudit for it, mate. And, and I genuinely, I genuinely mean that. I really appreciate those words, Barry. Thank you so much. Like I say, thanks once again for for helping me complete this one. It wouldn't have been possible without you. I'm sure the listeners have have, have, have enjoyed this listening to us both, mainly you, because I'm a bit boring. But it's it's good to it's good to hear you once again, Barry. Thanks for that. Right, just before we wrap up part two, of course, the last thing to do is to welcome our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the WBO European Super Featherweight Champion. It is, of course, Mr. Archie Sharp. Archie, welcome back on the show. Thanks for having me back on, mate. Thanks for having me on. Hey, it's always a pleasure, Arch. So we last spoke back in February. Obviously, at that time, you were forced off the the uh, the March 8th card at the Royal Albert Hall with that injury. However, like I say, fast forward six weeks and you boxed on Saturday uh, at the Wembley Arena show. Um, I didn't see it. Obviously, it wasn't televised. We had Barry Jones on earlier on in the show, and he said that uh, you know you, you was able to stop your man with a body shot in the second round. Please talk us through it, though, Arch, if you can. Yeah, so obviously Saturday, a good result. Um, first round, just back in after the injury, so we were just softening up, working off the jab. And in the second round, put the right hook to the body, dropped him, pushed on him again with another right hook to the body after the second, uh, second standing eight. And then, yeah, so on the third the third time I stopped, uh, dropped him, was with a left, left gut cut to the side of the plex and then finished the fight. And like I say, in, in British boxing, we all love a rivalry. You had that rivalry with Leon Woodstock. It seemed to end, actually, on October the 6th last year. But I do need to obviously bring up the fact that this guy that you boxed, um, Sergio Gonzalez, in his last fight, he went the distance with Leon Woodstock. I think Woodstock dropped him in the last round, but you were able to go in there and you made a further statement by stopping him as early as the second round. So just if, if there was any doubters out there, that was for you lot. Um like I said, when, when you beat Woodstock, Arch, you were ranked number 15th in the world. Then you went down to number 12. Now, number 10. It, it must feel fantastic yeah. to be in, in the top 10 in the world with a WBO. Oh, mate, do you know what? I'm over the moon, mate. When I'm looking at uh, the rankings, it's just like I say, I dream, I dream of being a world champion as a young kid and now I'm chasing that dream. Um, and I'm not too far. I'm, just, I mean, I'm only a stone away from it, really. Attempting in the WBO world ranking and a couple of more fights and I'll be fighting for that world title and like I say, there's so many guys that you're being linked with at, at very different levels. Lee Selby, I'm hearing that fight being talked about. Obviously, a former world champion. Yeah. Sam Bowen, the British champion. Ryan Garcia, again, like I say, completely three different levels there. Um, which of those fights, Archie, or, or perhaps another fight I haven't mentioned, which of those fights get you excited about most? Well, they all do, really, because like I say, I win this game to be to be the best in the business. And the thing is, all these fighters, so I'm going to have to box to be the best. And so all of them get me excited. Um, and I'm looking forward just to getting in there and doing what I've got to do. But yeah, definitely the Lee Selby's and the Ryan Garcia's, they, um, 
even Sam Bowen fight that so he'll really excite me and uh, I'm looking forward to just getting into the big back into the big fights and I believe the Commonwealth champion is still James Tennyson that's a fight that I haven't really heard mentioned that much but that's a fight that I like the sound of obviously we mentioned there Sam Bowen's got the British title a lot of boxers have got that burning yeah. desire to become a Commonwealth champion, to become a, a British champion. Have you got that arch, or is it just the big fights really over the belts? Yeah, no, of course. I, I, I want to clear up the whole division. You know what I, mean? I want to have all the belts. Um, but I'm so when I was a kid, I was so tunnel vision to be the world champion. Um, and like I say, I'm only a stone throw away from it. So I'm just chasing that world title belt. And listen, if, if I've got a fight and fighters in the meantime then on the way up there then that's what's got to be done you know what I mean but whatever's in front of me I'll deal with and talking of big fights for you you mentioned there about a world title fight I know that you'll have one eye on the winner of Masayuki Ito against Jamel Herring that one happens on the 25th of this month um, a good fight obviously yeah of course good fight and like I say if uh, Herring goes and does it it would be nice to have that world title fight of Herring um that I told was a good fighter. I've been looking at him, studying him. Uh, these are the fights that I want. Uh, I, th- I believe I've got the ability 100% to beat Ito. Just uh, give me a couple of um, couple of more fights and get to that level. Do you know what I mean? Getting the te- couple of uh, tens and maybe four rounder in and 100% get that get that on for next year for sure. Yeah, fingers crossed Jamel Herring does the business, actually, and uh, that'd be a brilliant fight yourself and Herring. That'd be a dream scenario. Yeah. Um, when when are you looking to be back out, Arch? Is it July time? Yeah, July time, mate. I think there's a pencil date in for July, so hopefully July, and I'll fight someone for the title. Um, I'll see the female title, and I'll have, to have a look as well, because I, I know there's, um, there's a fight happening in May is it, uh, between McLeod and um, Declan Garrity, so maybe the winner of that can put their belt on the line as well as mine. And yeah, I'll put him on that side of the laying belts. Strap season. Strap season, mate. Come on. <laughs> and just before I let you go, Arch, <laughs> any closing words for yourself, my friend, before we let you go? Yeah, just want to say thanks to everyone, mate. Do you know what I mean? Thanks for sponsors, our team for making this happen, um, all the fans that have come out to watch, uh, buy tickets. I just appreciate all the support, and I'm, I hope what I'm doing is good enough for, for the entertainment, and I'm looking forward to doing a lot more. Uh, some big fights to come and I'll entertain the fans even more well said my friend like I say I, I appreciate you giving us some of your time we've whizzed through that pretty quickly congrats once again on your win Arch and we'll catch up again sometime soon alright no worries thank you very much brother Okay, and this wraps up episode 185 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I've been joined for the duration of the show by the former WBO Super Featherweight World Champion, Barry Jones. I'd like to thank our two guests on this week's podcast, the new WBA Super Lightweight World Champion, the undefeated Mr. Regis Progray, and of course, the WBO European Super Featherweight Champion, Mr. Archie Sharp. As for the Prediction League, I has got two right on the week. He actually picked Progray to win by a stoppage and Roman to win on points. That happened, so he gained two points. And you, the listeners, only got one point. It was, of course, with the prediction that Lerone Richards would win on points. So it's back to a tie. It's 96-96. It's still all to play for. There has been some more news uh, that has broken, of course, since recording the show. Of course, you're going to know what it is. It's heavyweight news. Anthony Joshua's next opponent has been named. It will be Andy Ruiz Jr., a man that 
boxed only 12 days ago. As I said before, I just can't see him being in shape. Uh, I don't see him being physically ready for the toughest fight of his career on just four weeks' notice, especially after, like I say, fighting uh, just 12 days ago. I think it's pretty outrageous, to be honest. I think the replacement should have been Michael Hunter, but I don't think Joshua's team fancied it. Um, It will need to be a big undercard, surely, because who's really going to stay up and pay pay pay-per-view for that one um, against Andy Ruiz Jr.? Obviously, Andy Ruiz lost to Joseph Parker. Um, It was a real close fight. It could have gone either way, but not a lot of people would have would have seen that fight i think it was on at like uh something like midday uk time and and for the american boxing fans it was shown about 7 a.m or 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 something like that in the morning so not a lot of people actually watch that fight live anyway perhaps in the meantime they've watched it back on youtube but um you know to lose to joseph parker then we're expecting it to be a big pay-per-view worthy fight not for me. Uh, the undercard needs to be really, really, really good. The other piece of news is that Joe Joyce will be fighting on the Billy Joe Saunders undercard in Stevenage on May the 18th, so not too long to wait for that one. And he takes on Alexander Ustinov, who's actually coming off the knockout loss to Michael Hunter in Monaco. Um, yeah, it is what it is. The Prediction League for this weekend only consists of just the one fight. It is, of course, Canelo versus Jacobs, the big mega fight, Cinco de Mayo. You, the listeners, have gone for Canelo to win on points. Iaz has also gone for Canelo to win on points. So no matter what happens, next week it will still be a tie between yourself, the listeners, and Iaz. But it will be interesting, believe me. And again, any punishments for Iaz, send them in. They can be as bad as you like. Send them in to Podcast on Twitter. Um, best of luck like I say with the predictions that is about everything for this week's podcast thank you all for tuning in and listening enjoy your weekends people and we shall see you all again next week